0: Welcome to Citroen Cooperman's Taxes in 10 podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Paul Daly. I'm a partner in the International Practice Group of Citroen Cooperman. I'm pleased to continue the International Taxes in 10 podcast and extremely pleased to introduce my associate, Lauren Veronik, who's a director in the practice. And she's going to be talking about a very extremely topical and hot item, if you may. K-2 and K-3 schedules. I think that we've all heard so much about them. And Lauren's gonna be giving us a real good synopsis and summary of what these forms mean. Lauren, hello, how are you? I'm
1: doing well,
0: thanks, Paul. Great, thank you, Lauren. Again, I've heard so much about these K-2 and K-3s. I think everyone has. What is the purpose of these schedules, these new K-2s and K-3s?
1: Sure. So the main purpose is to provide uh, the shareholders and partners of partnerships and us corporations the information they need to compute their own foreign tax credit or know what they need to include in their income for the taxable year. The forms basically break out income into U.S. and foreign source, um, along with the assets that are generating that income as well.
0: How was this information previously um, provided to the partners and shareholders before K-2 and K-3?
1: Sure. So in the past, meaning before this year, uh, there was a line item on the partnership and S-corporation forms. And what they would do is attach a footnote. And these footnotes could vary by partner. Um, The new schedules aim to standardize and streamline that information, Uh, you know, and this expansion of these new schedules are in line with expansion of other forms that we've seen in the past few years that have focused on more disclosure of information, especially around the foreign tax credit. That said, these new schedules do seem to uh, ask for more information um, and possibly, require more calculations than the footnotes would have uh, required in the past. Um, There are instructions, uh, but there are several places where they are silent on how to present certain items. So there are several areas that are up for interpretation.
0: Thank you, Lauren. That was very enlightening. Can you tell us about the life cycle of these forms? I think I remember them going way back to 2020.
1: You are correct, yes. So in 2020, the IRS released uh, draft forms. Uh, This is common that they do it a year or two before they expect filers to complete them. It's normally to solicit uh, some some comments. Uh, the, The biggest comment was we would like to know who needs to file them and what parts need to be filed. Throughout 2021, they released updated drafts of the forms and and instructions, including a notice in June of 2021, uh, which was uh, notice 2021-39. The intent of this was to provide penalty relief if the taxpayer made a good faith effort to complete the schedules.
0: That is interesting. Good faith is so subjective. How is good faith defined for this purpose?
1: Yeah, so they gave a few examples. Uh, The first one was, did the taxpayer changes systems or processes in order to gather and uh, to gather the information necessary for the schedules? Did they attempt to obtain some of this information that they didn't previously have? And if they didn't, did they make a reasonable assumption around uh, the information that they provided or needed to provide on this on, on the schedules? Lastly, another example would be if the S corporation or the partnership actually modified their agreements uh, so that they could facilitate the sharing of, of this information to, to complete the schedules appropriately.
0: Great. Thank you, Lauren. When were the final forms released?
1: So the final forms were released at the end of 2021. That said, it doesn't stop there. In January, they updated the instructions and this update generally said, even if a partnership or us corporation didn't have foreign income uh, or paid foreign taxes or have foreign assets, they still may need to file the form. And so you may say, but why? Uh, and the reason for this is because, as mentioned, the shareholders and partners need, may need to uh, calculate a foreign tax credit. And to do this, you actually need information from all your investments, regardless of whether they produced foreign income or US
0: income. Thanks again, Lauren. Given this like new definition, if you may, of required filers, did the IRS provide any relief in this regard?
1: They did. Um, in February of this year, they published on their frequently asked questions website, question 15. And what this did was provide an exception, assuming that the pass-through entity met four pieces of criteria. Uh, The first one was to qualify for this exception in 2021, they cannot have any direct partners or shareholders that are foreign. You can't have a foreign corporation, individual estate, so on and so forth. Secondly, the partnership cannot have generated Uh, foreign source income or have assets that have generated foreign source income or is reasonably expected to generate foreign source income. And in 2021, the partnership in the S-Corp cannot have knowledge that any shareholder or, or partner has actually requested the information. The last prong of the requirement was that in 2020, the partnership and the Yes Corporation, that they did not need to provide this information in the lines or the footnote in the previous tax year. And that said, there was one one small caveat, unfortunately, and that was that at the end of it, uh, the relief said, even if you meet this criteria, if a shareholder or partner requests this information, you do need to provide it, even if you already filed. Uh, and if you haven't filed, not only do you need to provide this information to your shareholders and partners, you also need to file it with the IRS.
0: Thank you. So one my question, if that was really relief. Um, on going further, I mean, can you like, for example, can you get into more detail of the partnership and the S corporation, what they must do? Yes,
1: yeah, so um, uh, so what's involved is, let's just start with the sheer size, okay? These, these the K2s and K3s are upwards of 20 uh, twenty pages, depending on the one that you need to file. And the instructions are over 30, 30 pages uh, in order to interpret the, the, the forms. So you need to be able to, uh, carve out the pieces that you need, you need to have knowledge of this information you need to provide, and you have to have, even though this is a partnership. Um, an S corp requirement, there must be a robust understanding of very complicated international ta- tax concepts that are relatively new in the tax world, some of them came into effect with the passing of the 2017 TCJA and they were enacted in 17 and 18. Um, and since then, of course, we've had, uh, we've also had some regulations that have altered or changed even those those uh, rules as well.
0: Thanks again, Rowan. How does one really now go to complete the forms?
1: So, and I, I mentioned it before, but I think there does have to be a close interaction between the partnership and international tax Uh, colleagues, uh, because a lot of the pieces of the forms are very intertwined. Uh, Secondly, uh, I think that a lot of the partners and shareholders, they may have to understand that there are limitations to actually filing before March 15th. Um, And this has to do with e-filing limitations. And some of that is due to the IRS filing dates, which one is actually coming up in a few days and that'll be some in some cases the first opportunity for these partnerships or s corporations to actually file.
0: Lauren we're always so concerned as preparers with penalties being assessed on taxpayers. What are the penalties for non-conformity or delinquent filing of these forms?
1: Sure, so they're pretty similar to the partnership K, uh, Schedule K and K-1 penalties. There are penalties uh, if you file the Schedule K-3s late. There are, there are penalties if you don't provide them at all, which can be upwards of you know, a limit of almost 3.5 million. Um, in addition, uh, for Form 8865, which is the foreign partnership form, if the K-2 or K-3 isn't filed, that could be $10,000 per form per year. Um, and naturally, if there's intentional disregard to file, the penalties are limitless.
0: Thanks again, Lauren. I know that we've discussed that. We think that as a firm, we're going to make good faith efforts and try to complete these forms. We're not sure that the IRS is going to come up with a volume of penalties, but we just want to make sure that we make a good faith effort in trying to complete the forms. Um, Where does this leave us now?
1: So like I mentioned, expect that there's going to be more robust reporting and tracking of this information. Uh, Going forward, you may have to update systems, uh, possibly hire some more personnel or consultants. And while uh, question 15 provides relief, just like you mentioned, Paul, um, if it is requested, the, the partnership and S-Corp, they do need to provide the information. Um, and just like you said, we also believe that by filing, by making this good faith effort, uh, that hopefully that will avail the taxpayers of any penalties for this first year.
0: Thanks again, Lone. This was so enlightening. I um, want to thank everyone for listening. I think the bottom line is, if I may, going forward is that I think I think Lauren will agree, K two, K threes are here to stay. I know that the AICPA and other groups are trying to somehow um, delay or get rid of them. I think they're here to stay, at least in my opinion. But you know, the more that we get involved with them, the more that we do them, I think they become um, secondhand. But quite honestly, we now have to educate our clients in that there is gonna be increased costs. And we have to under- they have to understand that because of this compliance, fees may go up. So on that note, I'm going to um, conclude. I wanna thank Lauren very much. And have a good day, everyone. Thank you, Paul.